Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irina Manta, and I am a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employers. Last time, we spoke about the importance of figuring out if you're ready for online dating. Assuming that you've done your thinking and homework and you've concluded now is the time, let's do this. It's both good news and bad news that there are so many apps and sites to choose from when it comes to online dating. What will work for whom depends on a lot of factors such as age, interest, sexual orientation, and geographical location. At the end of the day, this will be a process involving trial and error. Many people are also on multiple apps at the same time, which is totally fine. The apps often change how their matching system works, so let me speak broadly first about the different systems. Some apps, such as Tinder or Bumble, present users with a profile card that contains pictures and information about a user. Others, such as OkCupid, collect more extensive information about individuals before giving them a percentage for how well they match. Most apps use a filtering system that is more or less extensive depending on the app. We won't go through the features of each app, which is information already collected in various guides online, such as that run by PCMag or by Mashable. Instead, We want to give some general guidance as to the sorts of factors you should consider when choosing an app. First, take a look at how much information you want to share about yourself. You can check out the info on the websites of companies like Kaspersky to see how individual dating apps have been doing in safeguarding user data. One risk, for example, is that a stranger could narrow down one's exact location or other private information. Second, even within an app, there are usually choices of what you should disclose. Ask yourself if you would be okay with an item you shared if a boss, coworker, or student of yours saw it, depending on your situation. Third, think about your goals. Do you want a long-term relationship or a hookup? Mind you, a lot of the time, the same people will be on several different apps one way or another. Some apps' reputations have also changed over time. One sad thing to keep in mind is also that some straight men will hang around the apps that market themselves as targeting serious relationships, because they figure they will have greater success there finding straight women who won't love badly enough to put up with bad behavior on their part. Now let's assume you settled on an app. Let's talk about profile building. On virtually any app, you will need to select pictures of yourself to use on your profile. This is a bit of an art rather than a science, but some principles are generally applicable. You need to have at least one picture that fully shows your face and survey data actually backs this up, at least one that shows your complete body. It's okay to choose flattering angles, but ask yourself whether you are kind of trying to mislead the other user about things like height or weight. Do you really want the first moment of meeting in real life to be one of disappointment if the other app user had a very different impression? This usually does not make for an auspicious beginning. Here are other things we've concluded that are important on profiles based on a combination of empirical data, conversations with daters, and our own experiences. First, Use recent photos. It's important to show prospective partners what you actually look like right now. Also, many people hate filters, like the really heavy or obvious ones. A little bit of touch-ups is probably okay, but when in doubt, less is more. Consider also that, as per a Hinge study, 
Candid shots get more right swipes than posed pictures do. Use group photos wisely. Another Hinge study suggests that daters enjoy seeing profiles where someone is out having fun with friends, but make sure it's clear who in the group photo the profile belongs to. Not to mention, it's a little inconsiderate to put pictures of your friends out there without their permission. Another one is, don't wear sunglasses. I was guilty of this one. My thinking was that I was showing that I like to travel, and I thought that showing some cool photos of me traveling would fit. But turns out, I travel a lot of places where I wear sunglasses. And yeah, that really changes how your face looks to someone who doesn't know you. A Tinder study confirms that profile pics with sunglasses get fewer right swipes. So show off the peepers. Even though we said flattering angles are good, potential matches are onto us about the photo from up high angle often being the most flattering. And they're a little suspicious if all of your photos are from that angle. So again, variety. And there are some do's and don'ts I've heard a lot about that tend to be specially aimed at men posting pictures. We definitely want to share those too. Men, many of us actively dislike your dead animals and fish photos and public bathroom selfies. Gross. Put a little thought into who your audience is. We aren't your bros. A lot of women further don't enjoy seeing pictures of guns. Some might, but if your goal is to cast a wide net, that's not the way. Also, using your messy house as a background is not painting a flattering first impression. We know you'd straighten your house up before having someone over, so understand that pictures are a similar first glimpse into your life. Be intentional in the pictures you post. Irina, what else? Try not to have all selfies. Make sure to have pictures that are high quality and avoid blurry pictures. Mix it up some. Tries to have some casual and some formal wear, as well as a range of settings and activities. I would actually avoid all shirtless or swimsuit pictures. Do you really want those images floating around the internet? In terms of the number of images, using five to six pictures is about the right number on most apps. Including travel pictures or pictures with pets, both brings more right swipes, by the way. I can confirm that I love that my husband I met on Bumble put a picture on there where he was playing with a dog. Keep in mind also that lots of people, and especially men, swipe while only looking at the pictures and later, if there is a match, they use the profile text at that point to decide whether they will actually talk to the other person. Just to repeat for emphasis, annoyingly, many people don't pay attention to what you actually write in your profile. Rude, but what can you do? This is the reality. They are primarily focused on your pictures. So the importance of picture selection can't be overstated. One useful way to go about this is to select a bunch of pictures and show them to three friends in the target demographic. Only use the pictures that all three people said to use. So if you're a straight woman, you would show it to three straight male friends. If this process doesn't leave you with enough pictures, you should try to go and take more of them. You can ask your friends for their reasoning, too, as to why they liked the ones they did. That can provide some insight into if you are achieving what you're aiming to with the profile you're building. And actually, that's a good segue to talking about some other components of your profile besides your pictures, for those of us who do actually read what you're telling us about yourselves. First of all, be accurate in the answers you give to questions like age or occupation and in your general profile text. People generally get annoyed even if you do things like select the wrong age but then give the accurate one in the profile text. Do you really want to have to convince people that someone with your age or other attribute is worth including in their search? I don't think this sets the right tone and could lead to distrust later on other topics. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not just about convincing them that your actual age isn't a reason to exclude you. It's you being dishonest right from the start, which for someone who doesn't know anything about you yet is not a good starting point at all. It will be a deal breaker for plenty of people who otherwise would have given you a chance if you were just honest. So those are the demographic questions. I also want to give some do's and don'ts for the profile text. Do share information that tells the person something new about you that they can't glean from the pictures or the answers in the preset categories. If you're a professor like Michelle and myself, for example, there's no need to talk about being smart because that's already assumed on some level. You could discuss hobbies and passions and maybe have a humorous line or two. If you like yoga or surfing, mention that because the data shows that both men and women like to write swipes on profiles with these interests. For the love of God, avoid canned profile texts or lines you found on the internet. You don't need to be looking for a partner in crime with whom you can finally get off this app. And spare us the meta discourse about how it's so hard to write these things or how you don't really know what to say. This also goes for if you want to know more, just ask. We don't want to ask. We want a reason to right swipe in the first place. This one is so maddening. It really conveys, I'm here to put in minimal effort. This is not 20 questions. Also, the data says that you should mind your grammar and skip excessive use of emojis. If you have kids, it makes sense to give broad information about them, but I would advise not to include them in your pictures or give specific genders or ages for safety reasons. It's okay to say in the profile text what kind of relationship you're looking for, but in my view, stating things like no hookups, for example, won't actually keep the casually minded at bay. The same is true for saying you don't want jerks or flakes to contact you, or that you're not interested in playing games. Yep, most potential partners don't see those descriptors as applying to them. They don't self-select into those unflattering groups, even if you or I might think it's a perfectly accurate description of them after we get to know them. So what are you really achieving by putting that out there? Plus, many people don't react well to seeing negatives of this sort in someone's profile, so you might be shooting yourself in the foot with the desirable candidates without the benefit of truly filtering out duds. People like to hear what you are looking for more than what you aren't. And positivity comes across more positively than negativity. Odds are you will play around with your profile text, so give it your best shot and see what happens. Like we suggested with pictures earlier, it could also be useful to have a trusted friend or so looked over your profile and give you feedback. I've done this for friends, and it is honestly surprising at how bad some people are at conveying in a profile who they are in real life or at coming across how they intend to. And at the end of the day, for most people, the quality of matches is more important than the quantity. So sometimes it's worth getting fewer matches, but that better suit your tastes and truly complement you in the end. Now that we have covered how to make yourself look good while being honest, let's talk about how to find the right person for you when you sort through other people's profiles. Some of this may depend on how large the plausible dating pool is in your geographical area. You can always start with your absolutely ideal criteria and then relax them if you don't get the types of matches you want. In this episode, we're focusing more on limiters, but in future episodes, we'll talk about building an intentional, personalized list of attributes and values that will help you find your ideal match. A more generous limit for distance limitations can be worth it, because people might be swiping from all kinds of locations in any case. Many apps also have a height filter that can be worth playing with. 
I'm in the 99th percentile for women's heights, for example. So I would have eliminated many worthwhile possibilities on some apps had I only been willing to date taller men. In my view, it's better to sacrifice on more superficial attributes than fundamental values if it comes to it. And even for a casual hookup, honesty can be quite important. Let's chat a bit about red flags, attributes of pictures or profile text that should give you pause before considering right swiping on someone. This is far from a comprehensive list, and we'll keep talking about red flags on this podcast, including red flags seen on actual dates. But here are a few examples of things to look out for in profiles and pictures. Shirtless pictures on men, especially taken indoors. You look like you're vain. Pictures suggesting excessive drinking or drug use. Look, it's good when people are honest about their lifestyle. You can make informed decisions that way. But people who are seemingly hyper-focused on their substance use in their profiles are potentially hyper-focused on substance use in real life, which could become a problem. All pictures are selfies. Self-centered much? That said, the data suggests that men mind selfies less in their dates profiles than women do. Sexual references or materials, whether in pictures or in the profile. They're telling you that not only are they primarily here for sex, but also that the person might not be respectful of what most of us would consider socially acceptable boundaries. Statements that the person isn't willing to date anyone with baggage and wants no drama. Ever heard of projection? In my experience, the people who say no drama are usually the most dramatic people. And as far as baggage goes, most of us have some. It comes with having a life. To me, someone who says no baggage is saying they aren't seriously considering anything meaningful forming between the two of you or that they wouldn't be a reliable partner. Anything that reeks of misogyny, homophobia, or racism. Yuck. Now, what's coming isn't a pure red flag, but understand that professional labels such as entrepreneur or consultant are fairly non-descriptive terms, even if the person isn't lying per se. We get that for some people, that is their actual job title. Unfortunately, there are some people out there who use those terms to be a bit misleading about what it is they do. Besides, even if they aren't using that kind of label to mislead, it still doesn't tell you anything meaningful about the professional path they've chosen. Like, in what field do you consult? Language that directly or indirectly rejects others for being overweight, even if you don't fall into that description yourself. Or anything else superficial, really. It's telling you they're comfortable enough judging others on their appearance that they don't even mind that being your first impression of them. Requests for women that are feminine or sweet. Again, even if you do consider yourself these things. It might just be code for, I like a woman who doesn't speak her mind. So if you like wearing skirts and makeup, while also having your own independent opinions, proceed with caution here. Some of the things that we have described here tend to fall under the umbrella of toxic masculinity, a concept we will discuss at greater length in future episodes. To sum up what we've covered today, consider the privacy of your data as well as your relationship goals when choosing a dating app. Select five to six tasteful and diverse pictures that have been vetted by several individuals from the type of people in your dating pool. Stay away from signs of toxic masculinity and other destructive or self-destructive tendencies. Michelle, what do you personally find the most and least appealing in a profile? Hmm, well, I am actually someone who reads a person's profile and I'm more interested in that than their pics. 
I guess I have a set minimum level of attractiveness that has to be met before I decide to read their profile. And I will be quick to swipe left on someone whose pics show those red flags we were talking about earlier. But after all that, the things I think are most appealing in a profile, just for me personally, are what people write about in their free response text areas. As an initial screener, I'm looking for compatibility, anything that makes them seem interesting, and positivity. What about you? Well, uh, it gets complicated to try to glean people's personalities from their profiles, but I try, when I was on the apps, I tried to get whatever clues I could. So one thing that is important for me is that the person be very intelligent so that we can have interesting conversations and uh, a lively time together. And also, however, what is even more important than that is kindness. And so that's not necessarily going to be displayed as obviously, but sometimes there are signs that are going to show you this person might not be very kind. So for example, making unkind comments about people's weight or things like that, or for example, if you're dating men of other attributes of women being highlighted there. Also signs of arrogance. I really, really can't stand that. And that's usually a big turnoff. It also tends to suggest that this is somebody who is likely to be toxic in all kinds of other ways, including gendered ways. So again, I try to get these clues for intelligence, kindness, and a sense of humor certainly helps. Although I also understand not everybody knows how to be funny on their profile, even if they're very funny in real life. So that wouldn't necessarily be something that I would immediately judge. Oh my gosh. So I feel like we are very like-minded. Maybe we're unlocking an important secret for daters here because kindness would also be my top attribute that I've learned to look for over time. And like you said, you can't always tell on a profile, but I do think it helps to look for signs of that. Sometimes they'll have things that will say, what are three words my friends use to describe me? Something like that. And if they pick kind as one of those three words, I'm paying attention. Of course, you'll be able to find out for yourself on actual dates with them, how they do treat people and and the kindness or lack of kindness will come across. And you know, with humor, I think that is such an interesting one because there are different types of humor, different things people find funny. Like I went on a couple of dates with one guy. It took me a couple of dates to realize that we had different ideas of what was funny. He had even said in his profile that it was really important for him to match with somebody with a good sense of humor. But what he meant by that was being able to take jokes at their expense a lot of the time. And I just did not find that funny. I was like, dude, I just met you. I don't need you hyper analyzing my appearance or joking about how I didn't paint my toenails before this date or things like that. So different types of humor. It can be hard to discern, but maybe there will be hints. Okay, I got another question for you. Would you ever swipe right on an empty profile? I would say almost never. That tends to show a certain level of laziness and unwillingness to engage in the process and and potential superficiality. But you know, what you were saying before uh, also reminded me of another red flag that we should point our listeners to, which is people who say they are fluent in sarcasm. That tends to be a sign, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, that tends to be a sign of the kind of person that you were just discussing, where humor is essentially used as a weapon either against one's date or against third parties, essentially to establish a position of dominance over them somehow or or try to control others. And that is highly, highly problematic. So for me, fluent in sarcasm is an automatic left swipe. 
I was just going to say, yeah, I think that I totally agree with your thinking on that. It often is something that if somebody feels the need to point it out in their profile, one of the first things that they want you to know about them, it means that that's a dominant part of who they are, that they don't know necessarily when to turn it on and off. Sure, I'm sarcastic sometimes, but it's not one of the first things I want somebody to know about me or a thing that's required in a partner. Yeah, and, and it's, it's this whole idea of, oh, you little lady don't know how to take a joke. You know, another fun fact for, for our listeners is that uh, it, it, the fact that you and I care about kindness is actually backed up by the data in terms of qualities to look for also. So if you look at John Gottman's research, the important relationship researcher was an entire institute built around uh, his name and, and his theories. He found in his research that kindness is one of the biggest predictors of whether a relationship will succeed. So whether the partners are kind are kind to each other. And so this isn't just something uh, random. This is actually something that is very likely to influence how well things are going to go and how happy two people will be together. Awesome. Now, we're going to talk more in later episodes about lying in the whole internet dating experience. But what about just right now, looking at profiles, what are the most common profile or what is the most common profile lie you've seen? The one that I've encountered the most by far, at least that I know of, is people lying about their age. Sometimes it's just by a couple of years uh, where people are trying to avoid a certain cutoff. And sometimes it's by a lot of years. So, for example, one guy I met clearly had been lying by a solid decade about his age. And when eventually I called him on it, he said that, well, you don't understand. If I had put my real age on there, you wouldn't have wanted to meet me. And I said, exactly. And that's my right. Because ultimately, this is a matter of consent and of not wasting other people's time. Another fun fact is that one guy that I went out with in the mid-aughts, who was seven years older than I was at the time, so I was in my mid-20s and he was in his early 30s, somehow by the time that I was on the dating apps a decade later in my mid-30s, he had aged in reverse and he was suddenly (laughs) younger than I was. Oh my gosh. What about you, Michelle? Any uh, interesting age lies? Yes, I have had age lies as well. I think one that's kind of a funny story. Similarly, um, when I was in my 20s, I went out with a guy who was very handsome. His profile looked good to me. He was super impressive because he had a law degree and an engineering degree. Mm. Okay, well, my little brain should have done the math on that and figured out how many years it would likely take to get both of those degrees and be working in the field the way that he was. But no, it took me a few dates and a comment about Oh, it was the summer where he was supposed to be turning 30. We had birth our birthdays were the same month and we went out for drinks or dinner or something that month and he ordered his drink and I said, "Oh yeah, we're doing our early celebrating for the big 3-0." And he looked really awkward and was like, "Oh, no, I'm turning 37 this year." And I was like, "What?" And he said, yeah, yeah, I just put 30 or 29, I guess at the time, on my profile because I wanted to date women in their 20s. Like it was the most normal thing to say. And then, of course, obviously I told him to take me home and that was the end of that. But 
I really did think about it later and felt stupid because I was like, how could he have had an engineering degree and a law degree and be practicing in the field in the position that he was by 30? Maybe I should have done the math on that one. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, the person telling the lie is the one responsible for the situation. And we're going to talk more in future episodes about people blaming themselves when they don't catch on to a lie right away. And also how society tends to tell people who don't catch lies that they should have done a better job. When in fact, studies show that people are notoriously bad at figuring out if someone is lying or not. So look, it wasn't your fault. And these things really do happen a lot. In fact, 80% of people admit to lying on dating apps. A lot of the time, it's about pretty minor stuff. Like, you know, they add an inch of height or uh, deduct a couple of uh, pounds of weight. But some of the time it's about more significant things. And a number of people really are shameless. And it's very interesting how the rationale that you got is very similar to the rationale that I got from somebody where they say like, well, yeah, obviously you, you know, you wouldn't have gone out with me or I wanted to go out with younger women. And ultimately, unfortunately, you can't always get what you want. And that's part of the lesson here. And if you don't like the filters that dating apps use, first of all, there are ways to use dating apps in ways that don't employ filters as much. And uh, there are also other ways of getting to know somebody besides dating apps that don't involve these filters. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into with the apps. And that's just the name of the game. Now, interestingly, some people have also started developing rationalizations where they tell themselves, For example, a male friend of mine said, well, maybe I should add an inch to my height because everybody will assume that men lie about their height. And so for people to guess my correct height, I should actually put it as a little bit higher than it is. What do you think about that kind of stuff? That's so funny. And I... I can almost see that one. I'd be less offended by that. I probably wouldn't even notice an inch lie or even remember that. Um, I've seen the opposite too with some tall men who seem to have really overstated to themselves the importance of their height, where some men will say, you know, 6'3 or 6'4, and that's kind of all they include about themselves. They're like, I'm tall, ladies, come to me. There's nothing else you need to know other than this height. And I find that more off-putting than I might be a short guy lying by an inch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of people lying even by an inch, but I agree with you on how obnoxious it is. Uh, people who think like being tall or being professionally successful or you know any one other thing that that's going to be enough and that they don't even need to bother to talk about anything else. Oh, and by the way, what you just mentioned, men calling women ladies, uh, that's another red flag I would add to our, uh, our little list. Anything like that. Also in that same category, I will treat you like a gentleman treats a lady or anything of, of that sort usually suggests uh, either a kind of weird, outdated notion of what that means, or in fact means I'm actually just a straight up jerk. And this is a way that I'm trying to kind of like cover that up. Haven't you found that to be true also that people who declare themselves to be gentlemen are the least gentlemanly of them all? Oh my gosh, that totally reminds me of the guys who declare themselves to be nice guys being the types that are more likely to pitch a fit about not getting things their way. So what you said about guys who describe themselves as gentlemen or want to treat you like a lady, I don't find that as offensive, but I definitely can appreciate that 
you don't need to say so. You can let us determine that for ourselves when mm -hmm. we meet with you. It really does go without saying. And so, yes, I can appreciate that. There is some suspiciousness there. And if you need to say it, is that because it's not self-evident? Or does that suggest some old-fashioned kind of ideals that everyone might not be into? But I could see that being a little more, eh, some people are into it. I also find it a bit strange more generally when people play on cultural stereotypes. So let's say here in New York City, some guy advertises himself as a true Southern gentleman or you know anything else of that nature, or it's just, it's just kind of weird, right? And, and it seems to be stereotyping potentially other people also. Yeah. So that worries me. And, you know, I mean, this is sort of an issue that a lot of people have anyway, uh, the, the problem of like stereotypes on the dating apps and people making assumptions about others. For example, people might assume with my first name that I'm Russian, even though I'm not. And so I, I got that question a lot. And there's a tendency, I think, on these dating apps to put people into boxes. And that can be very dangerous also. Good point. needs to hear this, but apparently it's a decent number of daters. Please stop trying to trick people into dating you. When you lie, you get called out on podcasts. No, wait, I mean, you lose out on quality potential partners who might have otherwise been interested in dating you for who you actually are. Don't be the bearer of red flags. Well, we wouldn't recommend putting don't waste my time on your dating profile. It is worth avoiding those who try to get around one's preferences on dating apps. It often doesn't end well. Remember, there's usually a lid for every pot, so don't lie about the size of the lid. Next time, we will talk more about setting up the first date and having these initial interactions go well. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well, and make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband and sound engineer, Carlos Farini, as well as Vlad Kuyushuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye, and remember to tune in for the next episode.